sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Thank you. You can go ahead and be seated. I sense something this morning. I sense that there is a real hunger among us. And becoming, you know, close to Christ and, and, and really getting our lives filled with him is step by step by step. It doesn't all happen in a moment. But I sense this morning that, that we are ready for a new step. And I sense that your hearts are hungry and, and open. And um, so as I, I um, introduce our guests this morning, I'd, I just want to pray before we begin here that we will receive what God wants us to receive at this meeting, all right? Father, we thank you for our time together here. We thank you for Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward-Mills. We thank you that you brought her here for this moment in time. And Lord, most of all, each of us wants to draw closer to you. We want our hearts to be open. We want to let go of some things that we need to let go of, every one of us, including myself. And we want to be free to honor you in every moment of our lives. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that as we listen this morning, that you would be honored and that you would use our guest speaker to bring your word in power and in truth and that you would open our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward-Mills is the wife of Bishop Dag Hayward-Mills. I'm sure many of you know her, presiding bishop and founder of the Lighthouse Chapel International and Healing Jesus Crusade Evangelist. She is an attorney by profession. That's so she could take care of her kids at home. <laughs> Not really. And, um, but she has taken that and served under her husband's ministry as a full-time pastor. We honor you for that. Amongst others, her duties include managing the Lighthouse Mission Schools, the Lighthouse Orphanage, and the church's ministry to the blind, the deaf, and beggars. God bless you. God bless you. She's an international conference speaker who preaches on all topics to all people, irrespective of gender or age, to bring encouragement to the discouraged, to help the hopeless find strength for the weak. She is a mother of four, 
Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills was a guest speaker at our church on Mother's Day last month, and many were blessed by her practical teachings on the relentless woman and the Titus II woman. Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills, as you come this morning, uh, come stand with me for just a minute, please. As you come this morning, I want you to speak the truth and hold nothing back. I want you to be free under the power of the Holy Spirit to share your heart with us. And we welcome you in Jesus' name. Wow. Thank you, Sister Donna. I think it's a good place to put your hands together. <clears throat> I remember going to a wedding and then they said, put your hands together and the man next to me started to hold my hand. But that's not what I mean. <laughs> so thank you for having me, Reverend Whitcomb and Sister Donna, and for um, this honor this morning. Thank you very much. And to the executive of the Women's Ministry, thank you for having me again. And to God I say thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. I think that um, Sister Donna has already prayed that the Holy Spirit will be here, that our hearts will be touched, that our lives will be transformed. So I just thank God for the help of the Holy Spirit to obey him this morning. Amen. Well, this morning you gave me an assignment and like um, Mrs. Adelaide Adovain said, to talk about living an empowered Christian life as a woman. And I trust God that his word will come to us. It's God's word that is incredible, not me. Amen. And so I trust that the Holy Spirit will lead us. Um, I want to draw my lessons from the book of Esther. The book of Esther. I always say that some of us, we don't know where the books of the Bible are. But we know where to find the latest fashion. The latest hairdresser. The latest seamstress. We'll cross some gutter, go behind some blue kiosk just to look for. But we wouldn't put in the same effort to look for God's word. But I pray that we will be transformed women who put their priorities right. Amen. So the book of Esther. I'm also going there just like you. But um, for ease of reference, Esther is just before Job. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> it's a very popular story. And um, when we say an empowered Christian life, it means that we admit that we can't live without him. The Bible says, or Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But many people who don't know God or who haven't given their lives to Christ feel that an empowered woman is a virgin woman, is a superwoman who can do everything, is a woman who has climbed the corporate ladder, is a woman whose degrees are more than the thermometer, is a woman who doesn't bow to any man, 
That's not the type of empowerment we are talking about. But we are talking about empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. In fact, it was our helplessness that made us know that we need God. And that made us give our lives to Christ. At least, I know that without him, I can do nothing. And I feel totally helpless, totally inept without him. And so the Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we become born again, or when we invite Jesus to be Lord of our lives. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to become all that God wants us to become. But God doesn't just want us to become just good things, but he calls us according to a purpose. Amen? And I believe that Esther was a woman that God called and empowered to fulfill his purpose. And that is why this morning I feel that we can draw lessons from that. I'm getting a bit worried about what is churning out in the media and what is even churning out to our younger girls. Because when I said to my daughter last week that a lady does not sit like this, a lady sits this way, she says to me, would you say that to a gentleman? You are being sexist. That's what my sociology teacher said. You know, and I said, no. I am not being sexist, but I believe that there are different roles that God gives us. And that we don't have to change to become men to feel empowered. You are a girl child, but you can still feel empowered. But there are certain roles, you know, your body is made differently. And the types of enticement that a woman has is also different. So because of that, we also have to have some, um, I was going to say bylaws, not bylaws, but some tenet things to live by that relate to us. But it doesn't mean I'm being sexist by recognizing that you are male and female. You know, so we need to renew our minds and not buy into what the world is buying into. Because the world goes and goes and goes and discovers that, ah, oh, God's word is true after all. So I'm praying that the type of empowerment you have, yes, education empowers you because it helps you to think broadly. It helps you to affect even lives around you, including lives of your family. It helps you to maybe chip in finances in a powerful way. All that is good. But we are talking about spiritual empowerment, which then sifts into all arenas of our lives. Amen. So I hope you are getting me right. Maybe I'm a 1967 woman, but I am still empowered. Amen. So Esther chapter 2, verse 7. It's talking about Esther who became queen. And like I said, we all know the story. But I want us to look at her background. How does a woman come to a place where she becomes empowered by God? And when you read Esther 2, 7, it says that, about Mordecai, that he was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure, this is English Standard Version, and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Amen. But when you look at verse 6, it says, Mordecai himself had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives. 
carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. So Esther's stripes against her were two. First of all, she didn't have a fantastic background because the person who was nurturing her by worldly standards was not a fantastic or powerful man. He himself was a slave. And he was so powerless that he had been carried away into the kingdom where they found themselves, you know. And uh, the world believes a lot in pedigree. You know, it is believed that the royal family, they have blue blood. But um, you and I know that when we go for surgery and they cut us open, or we go to the lab and there's a finger prick, it's not blue blood that comes out. It's red blood for everybody, whether white, black, or white, or, or red. Amen. And so Esther is coming from a disadvantaged background. Usually, if maybe her father was a professor, or maybe by today's standards, a great man of God, or somebody who had achieved a lot, then you would say, oh, Esther deserves to be chosen. And she deserves to be the woman that God will empower. But before God will empower you, we have to come to the place where we can overcome our backgrounds. We can overcome where we are coming from. We can overcome our past. We can overcome the things that make us think we are not up to the task. And for women especially, we have to be able to overcome our low self-esteem. And Esther had all the ingredients to say, I don't qualify. First of all, I don't come from this country. And they are calling people to marry the king. Surely, it must be a passion. But I don't qualify for that. Number two, I am not even coming from the palace or somewhere powerful. It is this man who himself is a captive. He is the one who has raised me. So before we get to that place of empowerment, we need to overcome our so-called negatives or things that make us look down on ourselves. Things that, as women, make us have low self-esteem. And low self-esteem is not based on even achievement. You meet a woman, she has achieved everything in the world, but she still says, oh, Lady Reverend, I'm not able, I'm nothing. This morning, I came in a bit late. I planned not to come in so early, but I came in a bit later than I planned because I was talking to somebody who was like an emergency. And she's living in this toxic environment, you know, because she had some problem of some sort. And she's with this husband who keeps telling her, ah, I thought you said you were a Christian. I thought you said you were a woman of God. Look at how you are behaving. Look at what, because she's at a vulnerable place in her life. And the person is pointing out to her that you don't measure up. And you are not the type of woman who should even preach the gospel. And you are not the type of woman who should even hold herself out as God's servant. So I said to her, do you know the story of the prophet Elijah? She said, yes. I said, do you know that after slaying the 400 prophets of Baal, he got so depressed and discouraged. He went to sit under a juniper tree and he told God, take my life. I'm not better than my father's. 
And why? Because Jezebel said he was going, she was going to make him a pound of meat by the close of day. This man who had called heaven, who had called fire, is now under a juniper tree because we all have seasons. But that does not determine who you are or your worth. Your experiences are not what define you as a woman. But many women define themselves by their experiences. And not only that, the people we are around define us by our experiences. That is why in spite of the fact that blind Bartimaeus was healed, we write that he is blind Bartimaeus. In spite of the fact that the prodigal son came home, we call him the prodigal son. In spite of the fact that the woman with the issue of blood was healed, we call her with the woman with the issue of blood. Because we don't go past your issues, your past, or what you've been through. Man has this penchant to define you according to where you've been, what you are going through, and what you have gone through. But the empowered woman is a woman who rises above where she's been, where she's coming from, what is happening. Even in Christ, I must say, because Elijah was in Christ. But we have this um, fantastic view that when you are in Christ, you should never be depressed. When you are in Christ, you should never be discouraged. But I don't see anybody like that in the Bible. Even Jesus Christ, who rebuked Peter for saying that don't go to the cross. He went to the garden of Gethsemane and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Because sometimes we get to a place where it's not easy. He knew his purpose. He said, for this hour have I come. Get thee behind me, Satan. The Bible says he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. But when it came to the crunch, there was a place where he said, you know, this cup, if I could renegotiate, I would. And therefore, when a, a Christian woman comes to such a place, it is not a place for condemnation, but it's a place to say, Lord, I'm helpless, and without you, I can do nothing. And you, we are allowed to be helpless so that the help can come from above. Amen, Amen ladies. So the empowered woman is a woman who moves beyond her background, beyond what she's been through or what she's going through, and beyond even what people think. Because at a point, Mordecai said, Esther, don't say that you are a Jew, because it was like your background will fight against you. They will say that you shouldn't even uh, uh, enlist in the big beauty pageant. So don't even say where you are coming from. But eventually, she did say where she was coming from. Amen. I came to speak to somebody here that God can take our ashes. Not that he can, he does. And makes them into beauty. But that is only if we give him the ashes. But some of us, we have put the ashes in an end. And we have made it an idol. And we are saying, hmm, you don't know what I've been through. You do, every women's meeting I go to when they are leading prayer, say, whatever you are going through, I say, it is going through, it's always. <laughs> we are always going through. But thank God, he takes whatever it is. And he makes beauty out of it. But our problem is, we feel that we should take the ashes and mold the beauty. But that's not what God is saying. And many women call me, it's finished, it's over. I say, yes, it's true. And they are surprised. Ah, why should the pastor say it's true? Why should she not talk by faith? It's ashes, everything is bent. I said, yes, it's true. It's hopeless. I said, yes, it's very hopeless. What am I going to do? I said, you are going to take the ashes and you are going to give it to him. 
You're not going to find out how he's going to do it. But he says that out of your beauty, he can bring ashes. And that's enough for you. Amen. Amen. So the empowered woman moves beyond these limitations. Now, if we are going to be empowered, we must expect to be purified and prepared by God. To be purified and prepared by God. So first of all, overcome your insecurities and negative background or experiences and your low self-esteem. And secondly, expect times of purification and preparation. Amen. Esther chapter 2, 8 to 9. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace to the custody of Hegai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him and she obtained favor. She obtained kindness of him and he speedily gave her her things for purification. He speedily gave her her things for what? Purification. With such things as belonged to her. And seven maidens. I want you to note all that. Purification, seven maidens. I'll come to that. Which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. And the maiden pleased him. And she obtained kindness of him. He speedily gave her. Da, 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 da. Verse 12. Now when every maid's turn was come to go into King Ahasuerus, after that she had been 12 months according to the manner of the women. So for so were the days of their purifications. Accomplished to wit. Six months with oil of May. And six months with sweet orders. And with other things. For the purifying of the women. Amen. I thought that all the women who came to enlist in the beauty pageant were, were beautiful. So if they are beautiful, why does it take 12 months to purify them before they go in unto the king? They are beautiful already. Beloved, when God calls you, when you give your life to Christ, the process has just begun. And like Mrs. Whitcomb said, it's not, you know, a shooting star. You just go, shh, you reach your destination. It's not like that. Life is not like a dartboard when you shoot the darts and then it just hits the bull's eye and then, bam, you are there. It's not like that. It is a process. And the Bible says that they were given the oil of May. May represents death. You remember when Jesus died? Uh, Jesus was born, the gifts that were brought were meh. Frankincense, gold, and meh, which makes people say that the wise men were three because the gifts were three. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible just says wise men came to Jesus. And Christians have turned it to three wise men because, <laughs> because the gifts were three. But when we look at Exodus 30, I have to be very quick. Reading from verse 23, God is talking to Moses and he says, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure may, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, 
after and, and of oil of olive oil and hin and thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary it shall be an holy anointing oil and thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith and the ark of the testimony and the table and all the vessels and the candlestick and his vessels and the altar of incense and it goes on and on and then finally the end of that chapter that verse that they may be most holy whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy amen the bible says when jesus died the women came with spices to anoint him the bible also says that joseph of arimathea brought mare to anoint jesus and among the things used for esther's purification was mare other spices and other oils and all those things were for her purification and her preparation and that's why the bible says god is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure ephesians 2 10 i believe so god is continually at work in us in the empowering process it's not that as soon as you get born again the holy spirit comes to live in you and then it's done there's a lot of purification that you and i must go through and it depends on if we are prepared to accept and flow with what god is doing why did i read that all those mere spices it was to sanctify the vessels for the temple therefore if you are going to be a vessel that god empowers and uses then god would take you through purification and god would take you through a time of preparation if a human king needed 12 months god needs a lifetime because our issues are a lot you see, the, the woman with the issue of blood, every woman has an issue. I'm telling you. Hers was of blood. Ours is of other things. Sometimes multiple things. But God takes us through a time of purification. And it's not always a pleasant time. Man, it is said that when you see it, Bible commentary says it gives a very nice aroma. In fact, the woman with the alabaster box, they were saying that her box is suspected that there was also mare in it. But apart from the nice fragrance, it is bitter to the taste. And that is how it is to walk with God. God is a sweet aroma to be born again. It's wonderful to be a child of God. But inside, there's also bitterness. A bitter pill to swallow. Because the Bible says, all that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I know it may not be a popular topic, but it's Old New Testament and it's New Covenant and it's part of life. Amen? And those things make us pure, you and I. Because some of us, if it were not the bitter pills and the things God has allowed us to go through, we would not be even sitting here this morning, let alone be in a charismatic church. Our noses would have been in the air and we would have said, do you join those type of churches? Oh, really? <laughs> I think it's for people with problems and people with... But God has used your problem to humble you. To hear You are sitting like a lamb and they are calling you sister so-so and so. But that's not how you were. God will take you through a time of purification. 
God has taken me. Several times, you know, I wish that it was like a story, like this is just the chapter on purification. After that, you just move on. But purification is an ongoing process. And life is different seasons. That's what the Bible says. So far as we live, there will be seed time and harvest, day and night, eh? morning and evening. Because life cannot be one season. Every season you are happy. Even that it means there is something wrong. Life can never be one season. But some of us feel that the Christian life should be one season. There's nothing like that. There are times when I cry in my closet. Oh, God, I can't. Not another time. No. Negotiations. Crying. Helplessness. God, help me. And then God has to step in. I have learned to come to a place where I can't do anything. Situations that are beyond me. I can't do anything. The Lord degree doesn't work in those situations. Even sometimes, like I, I, I preached uh, on Mother's Day, the weekend, the woman who was calling after Jesus, the Bible says, he answered her not a word. The relentless woman. He answered her not a word. So sometimes even God seems to be silent. The lady I was talking to this morning, she said that after serving God so much, why should things like this happen? After giving my, and I know her, I mean, she has loved God all these years. Why should she have such a monster of a husband? And why should his salvation not be speedy like Zacchaeus? Come down now. No. Why? But the secret things belong to God. And I told her, you have to now believe God for endurance. Nowadays, I don't just pray that help me to overcome, to prevail, to leap over. Sometimes you have to pray that you will endure. That at the end of the process, you will still be there. Amen, ladies. So the Christian life is not some flowery bed of ease. You just, you know. Yes, we share testimonies. But we should also begin to share testimonies about the bitter aspects of life. When you speak to your husband, he doesn't agree. And when you say something, he's doing the opposite. Know that you are not the only human being experiencing this. Some of you, you think, oh, if I marry the man of God, I will not have all these problems. But when you marry a man of God, he knows the word too much. And sometimes, sometimes, that may not be very helpful for you. Amen. So Esther submitted herself to a time of purification by God. God will never call you to do anything for him and then he will not purify you. He has to mold us into the vessels he wants us to be. I mean, sometimes I feel that um, even some of the stories I tell, I feel they are, um, how do you say, recycled too much. But then I get to a place where the congregation is also different. And then I have to say, when I needed to come full time, I was... I had known that God had called me, but I didn't know the timing of the full time. And then when I got to know the timing, I was ready. But then what was bugging me was the fact that I looked, I said, God, you know, what annoys me about this whole full time is that when I wear my dress, they'll say it's from the offering. <laughs> when I take my bag, they'll say it's from the pledges. When I take... My shoes, they will say, it's from the first service. Lord, my problem is not with you, it's with the people. 
I was telling God this in my closet. But before I even got to that, I said, God, you know where I'm coming from. You know, my father is a very rich man. And you know that I am not made by the church. It's not the church who takes me abroad on holidays. It's not the church who has looked after me. If anything at all, I gave the church things at the beginning. So, Lord, now, as I'm coming, <laughs> what are they going to say? And do you know what the Holy Spirit told me? Say that you have a problem. What? Me? I thought I was sister spiritual. What problem? He said that you are proud. I'd never heard that before because everybody tells me how humble I am. <laughs> how could God say that? But God said you are proud. I said, God, why? He said, because you feel that my father is this, I'm this, I have this. Why should they? But if you were nothing, then whatever people say will not even affect you. And I said, wow, this one is only between God and I. But I fell on my face and I cried so much. How can you be so mean? But anyway, I see that what you are saying is true. So based on that, I will obey you. You see, when we are telling the stories, it seems that from here, we just moved to here. And you don't see the struggles in between. But there's a time span. Because when even I came full time, I had a German client who said, oh, madam, don't leave me. Stay with me. And he lived in Germany. He said, just run the things you have to do, and then you can do your full time. And I agreed with him. And it worked fully. He was paying me very well, and I was not on the church's payroll. I just could not stand, as they have written all their things, income taxes, then I'd laid he would me, oh, no. <laughs> not on the church's roll. And it took an accident. The spring text road, I just collapsed over my steering wheel. I was just driving, I blacked out. Hit a Benz bus, I didn't hear. People were hooting, I didn't hear. Found myself in some bush. I came to, say, where am I here? Saw a lot of my Legon mates, it was early in the morning, so they were in their ties. Hey, Adley, what are you doing here? And I was sitting in the car wondering, what are they saying, why are they here? And when I came out, I saw the accident. To cut a long story short, I took my briefcase from the back and still went for my board meeting. I didn't have it together. And when I came in the night, my husband asked me if it was all right for him to go for his all night meeting. I said he should go because I needed to talk to God alone. And when he left, I believe Jesus walked into my room. And then I said, Lord, you know, I'm trying to plan self-help things so that my name will never be on this church's payroll. But I humble myself. And I accept whatever it is. It doesn't matter if my dress is from first offering, second, third, <laughs> fundraising, offering, pledges. If that's what they think, it doesn't matter, Lord. I just surrender to whatever you have to do. Tell me it's not purification. <laughs> Tell me that it's not purification. But you see, it takes God to bring us to that place. So an empowered woman is a woman who will be subjected to purification and preparation. Remember Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26. It says that Christ gave himself for us that he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water. By what? By the word. The word of God is what God uses to purify us. Yes, he uses our experiences, whatever, but if you don't know that pride is a sin, 
and then in your closet, God says you are proud. You would think it's a good thing. Proudly African, proudly Ghanaian, and proudly you. Amen. But with the washing of the water of the word, why do we have to be washed? Because we need to be purified. And the word of God purifies us. But amazingly, we don't spend time in the word. Amazingly, we don't invest in the word. The lace a woman wears costs more than she will put into the word of God. When you go into her bedroom, you see all the things. Aromatherapy, this, perfume, makeup, everything. Hair, everything you can think about. But the word of God, absent. We don't invest in the word. And we think that there's a magic wand that God will wave. But Ephesians 5.26, that he may sanctify us with the purifying of the water of the word. The word of God is what God uses to wash you. And we must learn to invest in the word. One of the things that have helped me personally is to invest in the word, to listen to messages. And sometimes the message is according to the illness I have at the moment. If I have an illness of discouragement, then I'll look for a message that lifts up my faith. If I am looking for um, an illness of helplessness, I would take a message that says, what to do when your faith seems weak and victory lost by Kenneth Hagin. That may be what I would listen to. And if I, I, I feel the prodding of God, maybe a feeling of the Holy Spirit, then I would go towards those messages. I will invest in books. I will read books that are based on the word. Now, the word of God is everywhere, but Christians don't eat it. In our time, we will play messages till they got torn. Now, you have YouTube, everything, but rather starvation. Starvation. And every time is what the prophet said. What the prophet said. But Acts 17, 11, Paul says that the people in Berea, they were more noble than the people in Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the scriptures readily, with readiness of mind, and then they searched the scripture daily to see if those things were so. Christians are not searching the scriptures to see if. My, one of my bishops told me, he met a girl, he said that, I'm going to marry this married man in my church. He said, oh, why are you saying that? Uh, because my man of God said it. But Paul said, if I or an angel preach anything else than what is in the word, let us be accursed. And yet Christians today say, oh, a man of God has said, so you will do it. A young man said, oh, my prophet said that uh, this woman is not for me, so I sh uh, to marry. Uh, he's seen things in the future that are not good. Okay, I will not dispute that. But then what followed? So leave, sleep with her and leave her. And I asked him, what verse is that? What verse? What scripture? With the washing of the water by the word. And Women get trapped because we are vulnerable. When we have problems, when things are not, then people take advantage of us. Paul said, I do not abuse my power in the gospel. So there's a power that comes with ministry, but it can be abused. Amen? So God has to purify you with the water of the word. So that when somebody says something contrary to scripture, you can even recognize it. But you are not empowered by the word. So you, 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 you. <laughs> looking at how powerful he is and looking at it must be right based on what have you forgotten that pharaoh's magicians they also produce snakes whatever moses did they also did 
The only thing was that Moses' snakes swallowed their snakes. So there are enchantments. The Bible talks about the power of the enemy. All these things are true. And God needs to empower us. God has come to live in us. But he can't leave us the way we are. He has to take us through a purification process. Amen. Another way that God purifies us as Christians is through the prayers that we pray. Amen. I'll quickly read Revelations 5 verse 8 and other verses, but Revelations 5 verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin, this is amplified, prostrated themselves before the lamp. Each was holding a harp, that is a lute or a guitar, and they had golden bowls full of incense, fragrant spices, just like Esther had, and gums for burning. Mer is from gum, which are the prayers of God's people, the saints. The prayers. So the spices that Esther was being given, among it was the word, and among it was also the spices, which are the prayers of the saints. And God would take you through those things. It is part of it. Amen. But when we are in trouble, instead of going to the throne room of grace, we don't go to the throne, but we go to the phone. And we talk to friends who don't have sense. Um, excuse me to say. say. He said that to you. You also show him that life is not as it should be. And also show him that. What is that? Your friend's counsel. Is, and then because your friend supports you, you are very happy because she supports you. Say, uh, even my friend, she sees my point of view. But you have a foolish friend, I am sorry to say. And when your friend is counseling you, she uses no scripture. And when you finish talking to that friend, you are not empowered. But what does Jude 21 say? By you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying, praying in the spirit. Giants don't just come about. People with muscle, they don't just come about. That's why some of us have given up because, you know, I started playing golf with my husband and then he would come with zeal and purpose and walk by me on the golf course. And I'll be thinking to myself, ah, but where is he going? Why is he so, why are people so, um, how do you say, so focused? They've taken the thing to the World Cup. Why? What is it? And every time I would get there, I would look, I say, oh, I should have come earlier. Look at the sun. Me, I don't like sweating. Oh. Look at the, this. And then one day, you know, I had all my gear, pink, pink sneakers, pink, whatever. Then I met my husband and they said to me, hey, golf is not about colors and marching, whatever. It's about getting to the job. So you don't just get muscle by wearing pink, pink to come and stand on the golf course. You exercise and it takes something. Amen. Praying in the spirit. Prayer has helped me so much. Prayer has empowered me in my times of fear. Prayer has empowered me in my times of helplessness. Prayer has empowered me when I don't have answers. Praying in the spirit has been such a great asset to me. And in your time of purification and preparation, God will use the incense, which is the prayer of the saints. It must go up. Every time you spend 30 minutes to do your makeup, 
and no Bible. You are going. Prayer free, Bible free, everything free. You are walking freely because freely thou hast received, isn't it? But a few minutes in his presence will empower you. You see, when you are talking about your problems and this, 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 then you will make a series of calls. This. Can you help me with this? Okay, tomorrow. Can you help? Is that not a message to you? That there's somebody whose phone is never out of coverage area. That there's somebody who is never low battery. That there's somebody whose phone is not like mine that is on silent. When you call, he doesn't hear. That there's somebody who is always there for us. What does the book of Hebrews say in Hebrews 4.16? Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may find mercy and grace to help. Grace to help. Grace to help. If we don't need help, why would God say, come to my throne? Grace to help in time of need. That is where our power lies, beloved. We need to exercise spiritually. Build ourselves up. Edify so that when the storms of life come, yes, you may rock a bit, but you won't go under. Why? Because you built up yourself on your most holy faith when things were okay. But we wait till disaster strikes. Then like a spare tire, we look for God and his word. No. Even when prayer is boring, you press on. Or talk to somebody. You will come to a place where you will, be, you will be hungering to get into his presence. You will be in a hurry to tell him the latest. You will be in a hurry to tell him what is going on. Because God takes the burden off you and sets you free to go along. So the prayers of the saints is part of the purification which Esther also had to go through, even though she was beautiful. Amen, somebody. And then the third thing is, depend on God's grace. The empowered woman depends on God's grace. You see, most of the time we say, you must pray, you must read your Bible, you must, it's all true. But at the end of the day, there's something also called grace. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, I believe that, I labored more than all the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God. So the grace of God gives you a certain leverage. It gives you a certain head start. That's only the grace of God can do. So we, an empowered woman is a woman who is conscious of God's grace on her life. So when we read the book of Esther, the Bible says that, Verse 17, that's still chapter 2. And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained what? Grace and favor in his sight. More than all the virgins. So that he set the royal crown upon her head. And made her queen instead of Vashti. Everybody was beautiful though. Everybody who signed up for the pageant was beautiful. But she needed the grace of God to bring her to a certain place. It is grace. Paul says that I am nothing without the grace of God. So we need to be conscious of the grace. Lady Reverend, how do you get the grace of God? It's a long story. But I have preached about the woman of grace. But one of the ways is Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find mercy. And what? Grace to help. Grace to help. Grace to help. You are going for a beauty pageant. You are going. You think that it's your hips, your tips, and your lips that are going to make the story. 
but it is actually God's grace. And we need the grace of God. I need the grace of God. It's one of my favorite, the mercy and grace of one of my favorite topics that I pray for. Lord, multiply your grace. Every time Paul wrote to the churches, grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied. Be multiplied. Because it takes grace to be empowered. And a consciousness of his grace. That you are saved by grace, not by works. By grace. But a lot of us are not conscious of that. I pray that God will give us more revelation on that. Amen. And also have a support group in your life. Have a support group in your life. But I think we'll come there later. Okay. So, depend on God's grace, right? And then the fourth one. Have a support group in your life. Why does... Lady Reverend, why is that important? Esther 4 verse 4. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it to her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved. We'll come to that story when Mordecai came to tell her the story. And she sent Raymond to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him. But he received not. Amen. Then, verse 15 to 16. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go. Gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and who? My maidens will fast likewise and so will go in unto the king. Where did these maidens come from? The Bible says that when Esther was being prepared for the king, they gave her maidens. We read it earlier. And then after that, these same maidens were the ones who informed her that Mordecai is walking in front of the gate and we are not sure what's going on. And then when she had to go and plead with the king, she said to Mordecai, go and fast and pray. But I and my maidens also, we will fast and pray. An empowered woman is a woman who doesn't go it all alone, but has a support group. When I was talking to this lady this morning, I said, you are in church, yes. You are a lady pastor, yes. Who can you talk to apart from your pastor? I am not saying the pastor is not important. She has spoken to the pastor. But I'm asking her, do you have any maidens in your life? Do you have any women you can say, bear me up in prayer and they will not use it as gossip on Joy News Online? Do you have anybody who can lift you up when you are down? Do you have anybody who can even just check on you because you've had surgery? You may be in church, but you have not made yourself a family. And you don't have any maidens in your life. And you are super secretive about what is going on in your life. My husband was telling me a few weeks ago, oh, this lady came to the office to see me. And when I asked her, why she has waited for the thing to become so bad. She said that because she felt that if she shared that problem, we will not see her in the right light and also that we will be shocked. And we were so amused. You don't know the issues we deal with. You say we will be shocked. Yours is a fly. 
There are some which are crocodiles, some are elephants, but yours is a fly. But she said, well, I didn't want to share it, Bishop, because, you know, and that's what Satan would tell you. And I know it's Satan because once I was in a demonic session, and when the demons were coming out, the demon said, oh, she was coming to talk to you on Sunday, but I dissuaded her. Because when you talk to somebody who is spiritual and you share your problem, the person is likely to show you a way out, to shine a light. Satan doesn't want that. So he said, why do you, you see how prestigious you look in church? Why do you want people to know that you have problems? Christians are the best actresses and actors in Hollywood. Christians. Because we don't like to be real. And we like to fake it. We should all go to fancy dress parties. Because we are not real. Amen? But Esther had maidens. When Rebecca was going to marry, we don't have time to read it, but the Bible says she went with her damsels. Apart from her nurse, Deborah, she also went with damsels. Then you, you have made yourself, I walk alone. The Bible says when you fall, who shall lift you up? Who shall, when you are down, do you have any friend who, not the foolish one, the type of friend that you can say, oh, you know, I'm going through this, and she can say, let's have a drink. Let's go and sit here and eat. Let's uh, know that you are down. We say, come, let's go here. Because sometimes you just need ministry from your maidens. Lady Reverend, why is that? Because God has not created any one human being, including your husband, to satisfy all your needs. There is no such creation on this earth. Lady Reverend, why do you say that? Esther chapter 4, verse 11. I don't like to preach from my head. Mine, is it Esther chapter 4, verse 11? Mine, is it 4, 11? I'm not coming to 4 after my plenty talking. So, wait for me. Esther 4. Okay. When Mordecai says to Esther, go into the king, talk to him, tell him. And then Esther says, all the king's servants and the peoples of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden sector so that he may live. But as for me, but as for me, I have not been called hmm. these 30 days to come into the king. You are in the palace, but the man is not talking to you. You are in the palace. You have a husband. Sometimes there's not even an issue. He has gotten so busy, he has added you to the furniture in the palace. For 30 days, you are in the same house. He has not seen you. And I thought Esther had the most fantastic wedding. The Bible says it was a a public holiday. And everything everybody desired was on the menu. You, when you are doing your small party, you are inspecting cards at the gate and things. Esther's own was not like that too. He said, admit one. Esther's own was not like that. The Bible says the king laughed above all the women. But at the end of the day, there came a point in her life that for 30 days she hadn't seen the man. You should not build your whole sepulchre, your whole life around a man. So that if he doesn't talk to you for 30 days, even the work that you are doing, they have to suck you because your life has come to an end. Build your life on Christ. 
An empowered woman is a woman whose rock is Christ. A husband is good. A husband is a blessing, but a husband is not an all in all. Can you not see that when you share things with him, he doesn't understand? But when you share things with your sister, she says, I get it. I get it. And then she'll even ask you, so what did you do? Say, hey, I mean, I took it calmly and then I say, yes, that's the spirit, sister. But when you talk to your husband, you say, no, 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 I don't see. I don't see what you are talking about. And in counseling, I see that all the time. Even a few days ago, I was with Lady Pastor Bridget Marion and we went to visit one of our members, a doctor. And then the wife was saying, we went here and then he met his ex. And then he said, I should say hello to her. Lady Reverend, I don't have any problem. But after that, she had some facial expression. The man almost fell out of his chair. <laughs> facial expression. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. Hey, what are you? Are you? It's like she's concocting something. And then I said to him, you know, I said to her, stop describing with diagrams and he will not understand. He genuinely didn't see the facial expression, body language. and He's not made that way. But women are always forcing them to see. You see, you are like Sarah. When Isaac was weaned and they made a feast, Ishmael was standing afar off. The Bible says Ishmael mocked. And then Sarah said to Abraham, Ishmael is mocking at my son. Abraham didn't see. It is from Abraham's time, not now. <laughs> and you, you've made yourself. You don't have any maidens in your life. Your all in all is this one person. He's supposed to provide you with joy, peace, and then what else? Hope, love, love understanding, comfort. But let me ask you, you yourself, are you all these things to a person? No human being can meet all our needs except Jehovah. He is the only one who is our all in all. And we put undue pressure in our marriages and our relationships because we don't get this fact. You know what I'm saying? One of our pastor's wives, she, she came from town and she said to her husband, Talalala, I went to buy nice shoes. Well, how do you find them? And he was on the computer. And then he just looked and said, oh, they are very nice. And then she says to him, you are a liar. I'm not even wearing shoes. <laughs> Believe me, I was called in Ghana to solve a problem. Because the man hit the wall and said, you are very insolent and rude. How can you? You know, he had turned the tide. So then guess what? Who was crying? The girl, the lady. She was going, but then I said, I'm not wearing shoes. And now he says, I say, he's ashamed to admit. Ah! Why are you buying into the lie? Just be quiet and lead your life. He rather is at fault, but he is ashamed to admit. So he has turned the thing and you're also receiving it. That's how women are. We receive things that we shouldn't receive judgment for. Sister, be free in Jesus' name. I haven't been called this 30 days. I haven't been called. God will always make you see that no relationship is an all in all. So that he will turn your eyes to him. My husband is an evangelist. Sometimes I've had accidents, problems. Some years ago, thieves came to my house. Where is he? He's busy planting churches. I'm calling. Where is he? On the pulpit preaching. But there's somebody that when I went to, I went to the throne of grace and he was there. He was not preaching. He didn't have any limitations. He was always there. An empowered woman does not build her life on any human being. No. That is all leads to depression. This morning I told the lady, I said, promise yourself that you will not go to the mental hospital because of a guy. Why? And that he will be happy and be marrying more. Ah, women. What is it? 
May God give us revelation. Amen. Esther had maidens and so must you. Amen. We are running to the finishing line. Man, I need a cue from you because I get carried away. <laughs> so please, as the next sister by you, do you have maidens in your life? Are they real maidens? Are they real? I have maidens in my life by the grace of God. I have close friends who are pastor's wives. Not necessarily even all the time from my church. But I have maidens in my church also. Secret. They are, they are a secret force. So when I wake up one morning, I say, no, 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 no. Then I take a verse and I send it to them. I say, we are praying on this verse. The house of the righteous shall stand. So we are praying on this verse. We are fasting and we are praying. I don't even need to be at the meeting sometimes. They will be there for me. Why? Because by God's grace, I'm also there for them. And I've not gone to take people who say, Hey, do you know what's happening in the bishop's household? Hmm. One death will never end. Instead of praying, then when you finish, you sprinkle it with, Let's pray for them. Nonsense. <laughs> The next point to be empowered, it calls for total and complete surrender to God. It calls for total and complete surrender to God. Some of us are born again, but too much of the world is in us. The Bible says that if you love the world, you are an enemy of God. The love of this world is to be is at enmity with God. If a man loved this world, then the love of the Father is not in him. Amen. Amen. Esther chapter 4, 1 to 4. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud voice and a bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many laying sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it to her. Amen. Now, there was trouble in the Jewish quarter. And Mordecai had put on sackcloth, ashes. A man, he was weeping, wailing, walking in the king's gate against protocol, you know, trying to seek God's face. Then the whole of Jewry, all the Jews, were also in sackcloth. The Bible says they were mourning, they were wailing, they were... But Esther, after being promoted by God, she had totally insulated herself from what was happening. She didn't know. She didn't know. So the Bible says her mates and her chamberlains came and told her that, oh, Mordecai is in sackcloth. You know, he's pacing up and down. And then she sent Hatak, her chamberlain, go and find out what is happening. It means that small promotion God gave you, you have now become madam, and uh, you don't know what is happening. And... When they told her, her first um, reaction 
was an excuse. Esther 4.11. She said, well, I have not been called in the palace. You don't do things like that. You, Mordecai, because you don't come from royalty, you don't know how people should behave, you know. Um, I can't just go in like that. There are things you can't do. Mordecai said, really? But one of the things she did was the easy way out. When Mordecai had torn off her clothes and all that, Esther, the Bible says, was exceedingly grieved. It didn't, not that she didn't care. She was exceedingly grieved. And then she sent to give Mordecai some clothes to wear. She had lost it. She didn't understand. You are a Jew. You know what sackcloth and ashes mean. But you want easy fix, easy way. That's how Christians have become. No sacrifice. No difficulty. No embarrassment. We want everything to be nice. We want the world to accept us. We want so we do the easy things. It's easy to get clothes to clothe Mordecai than to align with his course. You know? So she just said, oh, take him clothes. But the Bible says she was exceedingly grieved. As for emotional, she was emotional about it. But an empowered woman moves beyond just emotions. And in our walk on to total surrender, the first thing will be emotional that, oh, you feel for it. You feel for a lost and dying world. You feel for how things have gone wrong. But emotional commitment is not enough. And that was Esther's first reaction. Exceedingly grieved. Then secondly, a quick fix. Oh, go and give him some clothes to wear. When you know what sackcloth and ashes mean, and you know that it means fasting, and you know that it means we are in dire straits and we are believing God, then you want to gloss over it with a quick fix. Oh, get clothes. And that's how many of us are in our work with God. We don't want to go deep. And we don't want to sacrifice. So we stay on the periphery and we do things that are easy to do. But if we really want to be empowered by God, the power of God is released in sacrifice. The power of the cross is released in sacrifice. And the gospel has not changed. Unfortunately, the modern gospel has no sacrifice in it. So when you meet Christians, they say, Lady Reverend, it's very hard. I said, did he say it would be easy? When Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, you thought it was just a necklace. It's not a cross necklace. It's a real cross that you go on and you go through crucifixion. But the crucifixion of modern day Christians is just jewelry, a cross. Then it means that you are crucified with Christ. I'm sorry, there's more to it than that. And then Mordecai says to her, don't think that you will escape. As all these things are happening, don't think that you are insulated. Because you're being qualified for the beauty pageant. God taking you through purity. You qualifying. The king loving you was all part of God's plan. And God's plan was not just to produce a beautiful queen. His plan was a kingdom plan. And you will only come to that when you come to a place of total surrender. So when Mordecai said that, I bless God for Esther because she changed her mind. She said, go, gather the people, fast for me. I and my maidens will also fast. And do you know what she said? She said, if I perish, I perish. There is no Christianity without perishing. <laughs> there is no Christianity without a dying. In Esther 4.16, she said, if I perish... I perish. John 12, 24 to 25. 
John 12, 24, 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, one, fall into the ground, two, and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, but if it die, but if it die, but if it die, it bringeth forth fruit. But if it die, it means that if it does not die, there's no fruit. Amen? Jesus said, take up your cross daily. He didn't say take up your cross sometimes. The cross is a daily affair. And when you are on the cross, it's not fun. When there's blood and there are nails, it's not fun. But because we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen, the Bible says they are eternal. There is no service of God or empowerment without sacrifice and total surrender. You can't serve God half-hearted. You can't serve God like Esther. You take cloth, then you bring your emotions. Then the worship, you are really moved by your emotion. That is not the cross. It's good. God inhabits the praises of his people. But there is a place. There is a place. Catherine Kuhlman says, there is a place where Catherine Kuhlman died. There is a place. You know, when we were dedicating our Kodesh, we invited some of our friends from the States. Bishop Charles Blake, he came, wonderful man. And then he was giving his speech and he said, oh, I want to thank God for a great visionary like Bishop Dag Ewart Mills, who has led his church all these years to such a wonderful place and I'm, I'm so encouraged by what I see and a man of vision, a man of anointing, a man of, you know, all the good things that are good to say. Then my husband came up and said, Bishop Blake, I wish all that you were saying were true, a man of vision, a man of... But what has actually brought me here is beatings and tears. I didn't see a vision that, oh, move from Collegono and then go here. No. But the the community attacked us. They bombed his office. They, they, they attacked us on uh, one ordination day. Pregnant women were passing out. Broke, broken bottles. Blood everywhere. I was in the basement. My children were in the tower. I just had to speak in tongues in the dark. I was sitting with my husband. We didn't even say hi. Everybody was calling their God. That's why you should have a God of your own. And not say that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Elijah. You must have a God of your own. So as we were praying, and then eventually I found my children, which I think was a miracle. It was on that day that he called an emergency meeting and said, we have to leave here. This place cannot be our headquarters as a church. The people don't want us, in spite of all that we have done. And of course, people were bringing, um, what? Quick fixes. Oh, do you do prayer walks? Oh, do you fast? We do all. <laughs> do you speak to the mountains? We do. <laughs> In fact, a pastor who came to preach a few weeks after said, huh, I'm surprised. The church is still standing. I thought you were finished with all that went through because it was big. Headlines, politics, breaking down of walls, things. But what did it do? It led us to a better place. But it wasn't vision. And it wasn't a man of, you know, whatever. It was beatings and tears. And the blood that was shed. Because whenever blood is shed, power is released. Power is released. And that's why one of the things the Antichrist will do is to take away the sacrifices. When he comes, 
The Bible says he will take away the sacrifices from the temple. And that is the spirit that is in the church today. No sacrifice. When people come, Lady Reverend, it's very difficult. You know, I'm addicted to pornography and it's very difficult. I said, but he didn't say it was easy. And when you withdraw, you will have withdrawal symptoms. So why is it that when you go through withdrawals, you say, uh, that's not what I bargained for. Because we are feeding our flesh day in and out. And there's no death whatsoever. And God can never take you by force. As you are flailing your hands and uh, what? Uh, uh, giving tantrums. And then he takes you to the cross. He says, you, take up your own cross. And taking up the cross is not a party. It's so that we will be crucified. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. I tell you, beloved, there are sometimes I meet some people, I don't feel like forgiving them. And for me, that's crucifixion. To still relate to them. Not because I feel like, but because his word says so. It's contrary to everything in me. I can feel the nails. But then I say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Esther got to the place eh? I'm now fearless. I'm prepared to put my life online. If I perish, I perish. That is where power is released. But some of you, the Christianity you know, is only good. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jemima. That's all you know. <laughs> but the cross is part of the gospel. In fact, the preaching of the cross is the gospel. That is the gospel. And it is amazing that when you even have a cross in your life, Rather, the fruits of the Spirit are even made manifest. And people look at you and say, what did uh, Jesus say? In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So all of you, myself included, we have to come to the place where we say, if I perish, I will obey God to the peril of my perishing. And we are not there. God help us. We are not there. We are now like the world. And we fix our things by New Year resolutions, not by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Because Titus 2.40 says that he, he, he died and he redeemed to us to himself and purified us so that we may become a peculiar people, zealous of good ways. But we are not peculiar. We are just like the world. We don't look strange. We look just like the world. In fact, more like the world. And the world feels we have no answers. But Esther said, I'm going to forget about all my excuses. My 101 reasons why I cannot stand for God's people. I'm putting my life online. If I perish, I perish. And the amazing thing is, after every crucifixion, there's a resurrection. That is the amazing thing. God does not leave you to just die. You see, Abraham, he was asked to give his only son. And what I don't like about that passage is that God stresses, go and give Isaac your only son. So you know that he's my only son and you ask him for it. But when he went to the point of obedience where he took the knife, God called out and he said, now I know that you fear me. Now I know what is in your heart. So God enables us to come to that place so that what is in our hearts will be revealed. And God was not after human sacrifice. So he said, Ten, I've already provided a sheep for my, my sacrifice. I don't need this thing you are going to give, but I want to make sure that you don't love it more than you love me. Some of you, your marriage is your idol. It's your shrine. I'm not saying don't be a good wife. But after you invest all, and then you lose, like this morning, the lady said, I've invested my all. 
I've done all that they used to do. Is that the fruit of what I get? I said, your reward is from God. The Bible says, ask unto the Lord. Because if you look at men, you will never become what you have to become. So we should seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all other things. I'm a living testimony of that. You don't have to go running after things. God really adds, adds, even things you don't need so that you rather become a blessing. You call people and say, I don't need all this and take it. Why? Because the things you didn't go chasing after, because you got to that if I perish, I perish stage, God has already done it. And I pray that that will also be your story in Jesus' name. Amen. But we keep on putting our trust in men and that is not what God wants. And finally, after Esther had gone into the king and used her negotiation skills, which is also a different message altogether, because some of us will just have come, say, if I perish, I perish. I don't need any wisdom. No, she still went by the protocol in the palace. The Bible says she put on her royal apparel. She put on a crown. She stood opposite where the king sat. And when the king held out his scepter, then she went. But God had gone ahead of her to prepare everything. But finally, the empowered woman knows that all her victories, her successes, and her empowerment is not about her. Esther's things were not about her. She thought that I'm beautiful, I've become a queen. I've married the king. I have all the trappings that go with it. And now that I'm in the palace, I've arrived. But God had to remind her that for everything he does in our lives is for a purpose. Everything is for his purpose. It's for the kingdom. That is why in the Lord's Prayer we pray, thy kingdom come. Not our kingdom, but your kingdom come. So Esther's exploits, purification, beauty pageant, going to the palace, forgetting, Mordecai reminding her, her maid, all that was to preserve God's people. So even after the king had said, yes, you can do, there are more chapters to read. She had to influence the laws. She had to say that this person should be killed. She had to, there are many more things that came after the king had granted her her request. It is the same with you. Your life is supposed to affect the kingdom of God. Your life, your finances, your inheritance. If you are like me, my father died six years ago. Yes, I did come into inheritance, but it has also affected the kingdom of God. Amen? How come you, since your father's will was read, the church cannot feel it? How come? Everything is about you. Polishing, more polishing, more polishing, more Are you not seeing that you are not fulfilled? Fulfillment comes from finding our God-called purpose and fulfilling it. The virtuous woman, the Bible says she stretches out her hand to the needy. Once your hands are always about you, you are not going anywhere to happen. But when it can stretch beyond you to others, then you have reached where you should be. That is the life of an empowered Christian woman. Amen. Stand to your feet, please. Every eye closed and every head bowed. I know that we can see ourselves. I can see myself in all the preaching. I just want you to take these few minutes to talk to God. Just talk to God. About the word that has come. About the stirrings in your heart. About what you want him to give you grace for. About what you feel that you, you want to change in your life. 
Open your mouth and talk to God. Open your mouth and talk to God. It's not a formality. It is a necessity. It is part of the service. Oh, Father, your word has gone forth. I pray in the name of Jesus that this word will fall on good soil and yield much fruit, O God. I pray for the grace of God to be multiplied upon all our lives, O God, for it is by grace that we are saved and it's by grace that even we continue and it is by grace that we labor and it is by grace that Lord we even go through and withstand things for you say that your grace is sufficient for us even in difficult moments I pray this morning for each and every one of us Father purify us take things away that block you take things away that don't cause us to totally surrender to you and bring us into that good place I thank you that you are a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I thank you that there's no condemnation in you, but in you, Lord, there's a working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. I pray, oh God, for people going through purification times, for people going through preparation times, for people who don't even know the seasons of their lives. I pray that your finger will touch them. I pray that something supernatural will occur. I pray that you will show them your faithfulness, oh God. And I pray that you will help us to renew our minds, to be kingdom-minded, Lord, to have a burden for your church and for a lost and dying world, and to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you that you do more than we think or imagine or even ask you for. In accordance with your word, we consider it done. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may take your seats. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You are here this morning. You've heard everything that has been said. But you want to say, Lady Reverend, I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I need to work on my relationship with God. Please pray with me and pray for me. Give me the honor of leading you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are here like that this morning. It's not about background. It's not about what you are known as. It's about Jesus. Just put up your hands and I'll pray with you wherever you are standing. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just put up your hand high above your shoulder. We all took this step sometime in our lives. And if you have put up your hand, do one more thing for me. Come to where I am so that you will give me the privilege of leading you to the well that never dries. I saw your hands. Come forward. Come. Come. Let me pray with you. Come. I want to stand with you. Come, I want to hold your hand and take you to the throne of grace so that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Come to Jesus. Come to the well that never runs dry. Come to him who satisfies. Come to him who, the woman at the well, after five relationships, she was still hungry because relationships don't answer. But Jesus is the answer. And please graciously say this after me and mean it with all your heart. Let it be your personal prayer. Dear Jesus, this morning, I come to you just as I am. Jesus, take my life and become the Lord and the leader and the Savior of my life. Forgive me for my sins. 
cleanse me from all my sins. Jesus, thank you for coming to die on the cross to give me eternal life. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. Thank you for coming into my life by this simple prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for all that have come forward and we thank you for your faithfulness. For many years ago, we also came forward like this and you touched our lives forever. I commit them to you because you are able to keep them until the day when you will come. Deliver them from falling away. Strengthen them and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I just have some salvation books for you and then you can sit down. Sit down, everybody else. Thank you. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.